Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Life After Grief Chris. This is probably one of my most excited episodes. I have the opportunity to bring my brother, aka Uncle Mike, aka my big brother, onto the podcast. And I wanted to take the opportunity to explore our relationship and some of the financial impacts it had while we were going through the throes of our situation with our parents. I'm going to take the opportunity to explore where our late relationship has been and how far it has come. I'm also going to ask Uncle Mike to describe our relationship in terms of EG, that's before Eli and Gideon, and also after EG. Uncle Mike. Yes, sir. Please state your government name for the record. James Michael Dale. I appreciate you coming on, big bro. This is a unique opportunity, and I think we have come full circle. And I want, in your words, to describe our relationship in terms of EG, if you will. Before the boys, things were tough. Um, you and I are nine years apart, and we grew up at different eras in our family's situation in a couple different ways. When I was born, all of our family both on mom and dad's side were here, well, not here, but in Kansas City. And I was very acclimated with them. And when you were born nine years later, the family had splintered, not necessarily in a negative way, but people had just moved on. So I was more familiar with them in some ways. And growing up, mom and dad were pretty successful. And then when you came along, I think things got really tough on them. And there was kind of a discord there because by the time I was in high school, they were really struggling. And then I went to college and they were really struggling. And you saw some of that. And your, I think, uh, impression was that I had it a lot better off than you did growing up. And that, that maybe I was a little bit favored, maybe they did a little bit more for me. And then in my retrospect, looking back, it seemed to me like when they stopped struggling so much, they focused a lot on you financially. You know, got you the, the newer car and you had the housekeeper and all this kind of stuff. And I think that there was some division there between us because we both had the perspective that the other one had been better off for a long time. And I would agree with all of that. And my perception is exactly the same as you know Mike described, exactly the same. And it took us a long time to kind of figure that aspect out. You want to talk about how that perception created animosity between us for, you know, say almost 40 years? Yeah. My parents wanted me to move to Florida. Uh, my dad was pretty controlling and liked to have us under his umbrella. And I refused to do that. And what my dad did, and he actually admitted this later on in his life, he would do things for for you, like buy you a car, have your car painted, do all kind of nice stuff and throw it in my face 
to use that as bait for me to come down. And it really didn't work. I wasn't resentful towards you on that kind of stuff. But what it did do, in my opinion, is created some selfish behavior in your part. Whereas, like, if we would have a family breakfast or whatever, you would come out and just scoop up all the food on your plate. And just and that kind of thing bothered me. But I felt like you, because of the way they treated you, were very, very spoiled. And in some ways, very selfish. And then once the boys were born, it was like a light switched. After EG. After EG. After Eli and Gideon, a light just switched off. And you became the most selfless person. I knew at that point because it wasn't about you anymore. It was about the boys. And that was, I think, a major trigger in us getting back together. So I would I would agree. And one of the things, too, in regards to the boys and, you know, my brother's perception is right on. So my perception before EG was that my brother was given a lot of things. And again, this was a lack of communication. And my description of my father is a little bit different than my brother's but again he's older than I am and he saw things and he had a different lens than I did at the time I didn't know a lot of things and I've you know since figured out some things and um, you know just in any family and any dynamics that parents do things differently for you know children just differently and my brother and I found out a lot of things about both my parents after they passed away and we're not here to you know give away any family secrets but in finding out a lot of those things about our parents we found out about a lot of things that made us not like each other for a long time and it wasn't really anything that it was our doing it was the simple fact that our parents treated us differently and we were put in different situations and the age gap between the two of us and you know, my father for the first eight years of my life was down here in Florida. And so some of the animosity that I had against my brother was the fact that for the first eight years of his life, and this is my perception, that my dad was available and was around. And I didn't really get to know my father until after I was eight. And I'd only known my mother at that point. And so I had some, you know, ill feelings against my father. And, you know, these are some real topics that go on, you know, with other families as well. Like I said, we found out a lot of things, you know, when my parents passed away. And, um, you know, any secrets or, you know, any family drama really comes to light. And my parents were the classic example of folks running or our parents running out of money because of health issues. And so when Eli and Gideon were born... I said to my brother, I'm giving you the opportunity to be involved as much or as little in their lives. And it was a door that, you know, I had opened for my brother and he didn't just walk through it. I think he went through it with a tank. And so he's been there for every opportunity for my kids. And, you know, my kids never known the relationship between my brother before they were born. All they know is Uncle Mike and dad are you know great friends and we travel together and you know we do a lot of things together as a family that we weren't able to do or didn't do before because of this animosity between mike and i so i I want mike i want you to describe our relationship now in terms of after ag excuse me after eg i will do that i do want to address one thing about how you were saying that you know dad wasn't there for you the eight years 
that he was in Florida, you've learned things now to let you know he wasn't there for me. Yes. <laughs> for those same eight Correct. years or my whole life. Yes. But after EG, it's been great because my personality is Uncle Mike. That's kind of, that's my moniker. That's, that's who I am now. And I'm engaged to be married. And, you know, my fiance, soon to be wife, calls me Uncle Mike around the family. And that's very important to me. And I understand that family is very important to my brother. He and my father was very big on family. And for me, I think sometimes I've taken it for granted just because I've been so close to family that sometimes it's almost overwhelming, especially when they have problems and want to bring you into their drama and that kind of stuff. So I'm a little bit more distant than family than Christopher is for my own reasons. But traveling and, you know, having these boys accept me into the life like they have. And I don't think that they remember a time where I wasn't in their life. That just means a lot to me. And it has, you know, bridged the gaps because a lot of things that came between me and Chris were really petty and superficial. But puppy love is real to the puppy. So the things that he felt slighted by may seem insignificant to others as well. The things that I felt slighted by may seem insignificant to others, but they were ingrained in us and they festered. And I think the problem was we couldn't see each other's perspective. I couldn't understand why Chris was upset with me about something at the same time being mad at him for not understanding why I was upset about something. And then a couple truths came out where it really leveled the field. I think more so for him than for me because growing up there was a lot of things that, you know, once they moved from Kansas City to Florida that he was not aware of. And after our parents' death, it just gave him a whole new perspective on things. So a lot of the things that he thought that I did maliciously, um, he found out that that wasn't really the case. And then things I found out too that, you know, just kind of opened my eyes to say, okay, you know, this is, this is done. We need just to go back to basics. In a previous episode, I described dysfunction and families and communication, specifically when parents are at stake or you're caring for any relative. And I, look back and there was a previous article that I had uh, referenced and my brother and I didn't have the advance or advice in regards to being able to understand how we should have communicated when we were taking care of our parents. And so there was a lot of animosity and I think our relationship got dramatically worse after our parents passed away. And some of the false expectations or lack of communication I was physically present here in Orlando and my brother was physically located in Kansas City and my parents were located here with me. So a majority of the physical burden fell on me and then comes with the lack of communication. We just, you know, try to take care of the situation, you know, willy nilly because we had nothing to go on. And so I didn't know what Mike was going to financially cover. Um, He didn't know what I was going to financially cover. We were somewhere in between and he was giving money. I didn't know he was giving money. I was giving money and he didn't know that I was giving money and this, you know, happened or that happened. And so the lack of communication really hurt us. And Mike, I want you to talk about some of the financial implications that you faced during that time period? Well, it was really hard because for years, we thought that my dad was this brilliant businessman. And then we found out that, you know, he wasn't as astute as he thought he was. 
and he definitely wasn't as astute as we thought he were. And for him to come to me, um, I had just sold a business. And for him to come back for money from me was really disheartening because it made me lose a lot of respect in that regard. And he kept saying that all he needed was $20,000 to get back in the game. He needed this website. He needed this or that. And he'd be right back on top. And then after he passed, at his funeral, what was eye-opening, I think, to Christopher and myself was the fact that we talked to people, numerous people at the funeral, that said they had daily conversations with our father for 30 to 60 minutes, which shows that he had no time to do anything else but that. And he was spending three or four hours a day visiting my mom, our mom, and it just left no room for you know him working. But for him to keep calling me and asking for tens of thousands of dollars, and you know when I would hesitate or kind of he'd be like, hey, what happened to your funds? You know, and it was just really an uncomfortable situation. And it seemed like for a while things kept going. Like my mom went from one state to another state to stop eating to a vegetative state, and my dad would pressure me to come down and. You know, and she was in a vegetative state, but he was kind of in denial about some of that kind of stuff. And then he would have, you know, situations where I would have to come down just like on the spot. And it was very stressful, both financially and just emotionally, just to just have this thing drawn off and I'm not here. And then at the same time, I didn't realize what Chris was going through having to deal with it. Like Chris literally would have to, he'd get a call at 11 o'clock at night and have to go down to my parents' house because my dad had fallen in the shower and have to help him up. And then it was frustrating because, you know, our dad had hip replacement surgery and he refused to rehab, although he told us he was doing that kind of stuff. And there was just really no communication and there was frustration on on everyone's part. So, it, yeah, it was it was eye opening when things did come back together. And so some of the things also I want to, you know, kind of describe my view of my father in those terms as well. And what Mike had described, and these are real feelings and real things that happen, was that my father, you know, had a lot of wisdom in the business aspect. And he's bestowed a lot of wisdom on us, good, bad, or indifferent, how it got to us. And both Mike and I, as a result of my father, are both entrepreneurs. And I would say in you know, in regard that we are successful in our own right and not necessarily the financial aspect, but just that we have the ability to be entrepreneurs. And we did take that from our, our father. My father's best saying and greatest saying was do what I say, but don't do what I do. And I always remember that because I look back and there were things that, you know, he did that he wouldn't necessarily advocate for us to do. And so um, that's, you know, a lot of what uh, Mike was kind of describing and we went through it by fire. I mean, it was, it was very, very difficult. And what I know of having children now, and my brother would always preach this to me is that you have no idea the financial implications it takes to raise a child. And in the same regard, you have no idea the financial implications it takes to raise a parent, and I say raising a parent is taking care of your parent in their declining years. And so I can say personally that my wife and I, we exhausted a lot of funds by taking care of our parents, excuse me, my parents. And my brother did the same. And like he had mentioned, he had sold a company around that time. And, you know, I had some ill feelings about 
that because I had expectations. And again, it was a lack of communication. And my point in going through, you know, that is that you're going to have to take into consideration that if you're taking care of your parents, there are going to be a lot of expenses that are going to be unaccounted for. And hopefully they have insurance, depending on how how old they are, and um, to take care of a major part of the burden. But there are some other things that you can look forward to in regards to your parents before they get to their declining years. And specifically in a financial planning capacity, long-term care. That would have alleviated in my situation when my mother went into a nursing home, that would have alleviated the burden of paying $5,000 a month for three months. And hindsight is twenty twenty. And again, I was the financial planner at the time and my mother's health was declined too much to where she could have even qualified. But that is something that I advocate, you know, for my clients to at least look at that, you know, as far as part of their plan. And it's prudent. And I can tell you based on personal experience and the amount of money that we went through and my mother, you know, we wanting to keep her in home at home as long as possible. Well, there became a point in time where we could not do that because of her health. And then also financially, we couldn't maintain her in the house. You know, my father wanted to maintain her in the house as long as possible. So in a financial sense, um, and I like to sprinkle the financial aspect because that's, you know, part of what this podcast is for, you know, to help in any way. And I, I really appreciate, you know, my brother being here and my relationship with my brother as he described, I'm a big family person. And part of that is because of my distance in proximity from my family for many years. And I'm glad that my brother has moved to the Orlando area and it makes it a lot easier on us to see each other. I see, you know, Uncle Mike, I don't know, once, twice a week, you know, he comes to the boys games and um, yeah, I really appreciate him. And our relationship is at, at a very, very good point. And if any two brothers can mend a, I'm not going to even say a broken relationship. It was a demolished, catastrophic, bad, horrendous enemies, arch enemies, like we did. We've mended it. Then anyone can. And I'll just let Mike chime in for a second, too. Okay. If anybody wants to know how bad it was, we got into a fist fight at a funeral over a slab of ribs. So take that in for a minute. Going back to the financial aspect, I want to address one other thing that he was talking about with long-term care. Our mother got early onset, onset um, dementia, so she was 54. A lot of times people don't look into long-term care until years after that. So you might want to really kind of assess your parents' health and just kind of watch out for those kind of things because once that hammer drops, there's nowhere to run. There's no escape from that. Appreciate that. That's good advice. As always, I want to thank any and all of my listeners, and please feel free to share this podcast with any friends, family members, or colleagues. I want to also give a special shout out to Uncle Mike, aka my brother. I love you, man, and I appreciate you coming over uh, to do this. You owe me 20 bucks for gas. That's fine. I'll I'll give you the $20. No, he won't. (laughs) No better. This wraps up our first season of Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris. We are going to take off the month of February and come back strong the first Wednesday of March 
2022. We are very fortunate to have all of our listeners who have dedicated time and a lot of good feedback from our podcast. I feel so very humble and I'm very thankful and appreciative. God willing, we'll see you in the next season. Be well. Cheers.